0: Would you stand with me to go to the word of the Lord? Let's thank Brother Rob for preaching a great message this morning and fantastic. Brother Rob, just fantastic. We have a, uh, what they call a deep bench in sports. Um, these guys are in process of getting their license as ministers. We hope to have that done early January. They're going to take their aptitude tests and meet with the board, and all of these things are going to happen in the next few weeks, so be praying for them, amen? Brother Reese and Brother Rob are stepping up into ministry. It comes with special privileges, but it also comes with special weights and responsibilities, amen? And um, you, as you get older as a minister, you get used to the weight of that load, but you never get comfortable, because comfort is not where God dwells. He often puts us in uncomfortable situations to do his best work in us. And some of you may have come today in a very comfortable situation, and I want you to know that the pattern of Jesus is that he came, so that regardless of what we go through, we can come to him. Amen? So I hope that maybe at the end of today you'll be encouraged in the Lord. We're gonna go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. I hope you're excited to be in the house of the Lord today. As much as I'm excited to be here, man, it just feels good in His presence. Hallelujah. It just feels good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm not at all the type to cheerlead anybody, but if there's one thing we should do, it it would be to give the Lord all of ourselves, all of our worship, use our voice and our hands and our feet and our everything. Amen. Amen. So you know me, I'm not the type of person that gets up here with pom-poms, but I tell you what, if we ever break out into a worship, I'm not stopping that. If we ever to get cut loose in this place, I'm gonna be right there with you because life is too hard not to praise him as hard as you can. <laughs> that praise releases something in you and you leave here stress-free and you may not have, you, you may not have changed all the problems that you meet out there when you go back out there, but something happens in the presence of the Lord, amen? There is revelation that releases in your life when we're next to the one who rests in that manger. So I want to just go to the word of the Lord here real quick. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Amen. And when Herod, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. The king and the city were troubled. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. Here comes some revelation. Are you ready? But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, the least of all, obviously, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I'm thankful for this picture of God can show up in the least of us. In the place where nobody thought God was going to work, he works in us, amen? In the situation you thought God was never gonna get any glory from, he's gonna get glory out of it when it's all done. Because there's some Bethlehems in our life and Jesus still is the revelation at rest in all of these things, amen? So I've come to preach to you about a little baby in a manger, the first size bed. Oh, dad jokes. First size bed right there, but he is God and he is all-sufficient until you know that he is all-sufficient. You will never have his supremacy released over your life jesus touch your word use it for your glory we may not be in this word long but jesus i ask you to help it live in somebody's life until eternity come in jesus name somebody said amen you may be seated in the house of the lord this is the pattern god come to man so that man could come to god religion is man's attempt To go to God. Religion is man's idea. It's man created. Everybody say, religion is created by man. And then say, relationship was created by God. Oh, you're doing great. Next time we'll have you be the choir up here. So what we read in scripture is we read that he is our rest. Amen. And that while there are some that still try to observe a true Sabbath, Friday night to Saturday night, or sun down Friday to sundown Saturday. They don't understand the Scriptures because the rest, the Sabbath that we have, is every second through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the rest. This is the rest, wherein you shall cause the weary to rest. So when the Bible says... That we ought to observe the Sabbath. There is a respect to the day that we call the Lord's day. I think we should be in the house of the Lord on Sunday. That's my opinion, a very strong opinion. Everybody has one, but the Bible backs up that we should honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Oh, that's for Israel, Pastor. That's for those that were under the law. We don't have that now, so we can work on Sunday. You know what? That is true. That is true to a degree but also keeping the Sabbath holy in ourselves. The word of the Old Testament is example to us and then revealed in the New Testament through spiritual concepts and understanding. So we come out of the Old Testament with lessons that we live in the New Testament in our spiritual life. So if we take that to, to our heart, we, we know that some of us have to work on Sunday. Anybody ever had to work on Sunday? I know I've had to work on Sunday. You're not, you're not abusing the Bible or the Word of You're not disobeying the Word of God by not keeping the Sabbath holy, by working on the Sunday because you have to. But you better have a prayer life and the Holy Ghost in your life. So when you're working on Sunday, you're like, thank you, Jesus. I still got the Holy Ghost. I still got my se- every second Sabbath going on right now in my heart. I've got Jesus with me everywhere I go, and he is the rest in the revelation all at the same time, all in a manger. Amen? He is God come in flesh, and I'm so thankful that I can take that moment, and no matter what I've got to do in life, God goes with me. Amen? He came to get me. He's going to go with me. I want you to know that even if you don't feel God, it does not mean he's not there. We understand. His spirit is always with us. Amen? Those that walk in the spirit have a very special touch of God. You you can cross over and just pray in tongues and encourage yourself like David said in the Lord. David didn't even have the dispensation of the Holy Ghost and power like we do. Yes, in the Old Testament there were special situations where individuals were filled with the Holy Ghost. But when the spirit of God was poured out in the book of Acts, we know that now the Holy Ghost has fallen upon all who will seek him amen all who go after him all who are filled with his spirit and I'm still not necessarily living on last week's message of the Holy Ghost but I still kind of am excited about the fact that Jesus came to remove our sins so that we could step into Holy Ghost power amen somebody that was here last week but I want you to know that when God does some kind of work in you you're not bound by schedule anymore you're not bound by place or time anymore God came to set us free So if you're working on Sunday, just be grateful you have a job and take the Holy Ghost with you. If you're working on Saturday night late and you're like, oh, it's going to be hard to get up on Sunday morning. I've walked to this pulpit without an ounce of sleep over Saturday night and said, God, if you don't help me preach, it's not happening this Sunday. I need you with me. And the Holy Ghost just shows up so powerfully. I want you to know that where your heart is matters about the Sabbath and the rest that you live in. If you are not... Living in the power of the Holy Ghost, you never get true spiritual rest. The revelation of rest is so beautiful. I, I, I had to go to the doctor because um I like to eat and uh, I like them burgers and them fries. I like to go to Cracker Barrel, <laughs> then we cheese fries and that mashed potatoes, <laughs> gravy. I know you're like, Pastor, I'm swelling while you're talking. Just stop. It's the holidays. It's bad enough already. Okay? Don't make it worse. Get some of that gravy. And so while I was going to the doctor, they said, you know what? what what's happening with your heart is kicked off by sleep apnea. And I'm like, oh, okay, sleep apnea. I was traveling with my brother this summer. We're headed to Alaska. They wouldn't let us to the border of Canada. I was very upset with that. I still am. I'm working on it. I'm praying for Canada and asking the Lord to blast them. I mean, bless them. I meant bless them. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm getting through this. A lot of bitterness with Canada. But while we were traveling, we had to stay in the same hotel, and it not, he got up the next morning, and he goes, hey, bro, uh, have you ever th- thought about getting a sleep study done? And I'm like, no, I sleep just fine. No, re- no reason to study it. And <laughs> and uh, am <laughs> like, I, it's like, taking a test drive. I don't need a test drive. I know how to drive. I just kind of thought of it that way. And he's like, no, man, you you really need to go get a sleep study. You're like stopping breathing in the middle of the night. I'm like, really? That's the problem. I'm not getting good rest. That's why I'm always tired. I thought it was just, I was busy. Like you guys are busy. I thought we were just tired because we're busy. And so I went and got a sleep study and the ear, nose and throat doctor came in and she said, okay, so you need this little machine to help you breathe all right, at night so, so you don't uh, stop breathing. And, and most people see this is your study, this is your exam, and this is all the stuff that we did, the night study. And uh, she said most people stop breathing like 5 to 10 times a night at the most, and uh, you stop breathing 56 times at night. And I'm like, no wonder I'm so tired <laughs> all the time. I'm not sleeping. I'm not getting any good rest cycles. And she began to s- explain to me, Rest, and I got a revelation of rest that I never had before of how important it is in our life. Like, we need to get good sleep because it, it helps our cicada cycles, and it helps our body, and it helps the processing and removing toxins, and all this stuff is not happening for me, and I'm like, I need that. I, I want that. I want that rest, and, and I got very serious about it. And I started calling all the places, and they don't have one in, in this area, and we got to send one from Dallas, and I don't care overnight it. I need my rest. And I got very serious with the doctors because I found out how serious this situation is. And then AFib starts kicking off and my heart's fluttering somewhere and I'm about to go see Jesus. I'm like, I need some rest. And I got very, but I was calling everybody I knew to call to get this done as fast as possible. And now, you know, it's on its way, obviously. I'm getting in on the 22nd and I'll have wonderful sleep on the 25th. Maybe not even get up for Christmas. Maybe just sleep all of Christmas and just (laughs) thank the Lord. (laughs) Doesn't work like that. Oh, okay. All right. But while I'm sleeping, I'll be renewing and rejuvenating all the things that have been lost and been missing and they said if I get good sleep with this machine, eventually my heart starts working right again. And everything that has been going wrong starts going the other way when I get rest. Can we apply that to something spiritual today? Can I just be real? that some of the things that have been going wrong in, in your life are because you're not spending enough time at rest in his presence and if you start getting back into a place where you can spend time with Jesus, everything that has been going wrong starts turning to go the other direction. Now, I'm not saying that you won't have troubles and you won't have problems and difficulties and you won't have trials because God will check your metal, amen? He will He will try to find out how bad do you want what you're talking about? How bad do you want what, and, in, and whenever you're going through, to a trial and God doesn't speak. It's not because he doesn't want to talk with you. It's because he's waiting to see how much will you keep pushing or will you just give up? Will you find the first excuse and stop? Will you will you go only a little ways and say, "Yeah, I want that blessing. I want those things in my life, but it's going to take take more than just wanting it, brothers and sisters. You have to stick with it. You have to stay in there. You have to fight the good fight as the scripture says. And in all of this, we know that God is able to do great things in our hearts and our lives, and he will turn the things that your heart has been chasing, like I said last week, around, and you'll start having God desires in your life. You'll start having moments where God meets with you and deals with you, and you'll find true rest. If you wake up exhausted, sometimes it's not physical rest that you need, but it's rest for your soul, the Bible says, the rest for your mind. And it's found in resting in Jesus Christ. The realization that he came revealed. There's so much in this passage of scripture that I read to you. The revelations of God. The things that he did over 300, you know, over 300 different prophecies that he fulfilled. But when you get to realizing that little things, big things can come from little things like Bethlehem. Then you just keep reading in that passage in chapter 2 of Matthew Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them when, what time the star appeared. Do you know that is a revelation right there? That's that's a prophecy from Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, where the scripture literally tells us, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh." There shall come a star out of Jacob. It was prophesied. This baby resting in a manger is a revelation of the fulfillment of God's word. I have a picture of the cross references of the Bible that Shows how many places the Bible is connected to each other. It's a, it's a, it has lines from one reference to the other of the Bible, and there is thousands of cross references in the Bible across forty. I mean, you, I'm, I won't, i will not go into it because I don't have time. But just come see me. I'll show it to you on my phone. It is. Re- Ridiculous how put together the Word of God is. No man could ever write this, but this, like him, were sent into the earth. Amen? The Word of God made flesh was sent into the earth, and it will always reveal itself in great detail. And so as we're reading, we're seeing revelation rest on Jesus. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may go and worship him also. Yeah, right. Not even close. He wanted to take him out, right, Brother Roy? And then verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. There was not only prophecy, there was star. There was so many things that led up to this. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They knew that he was the revelation resting. We know that he was about two years old by the time they got there. We know the age had changed, but Here's where it says it. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary. He's at the house, okay? He's not in the manger anymore. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they opened had opened their treasure, they presented gifts to him like blankets and diapers. And, oh, no, no. <laughs> they didn't know. Their sister, they didn't know. They, they needed all that. They, they need the child's shivering in the cold, right? Amen. And they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Just put some gold on him; it'll be fine. He's got pneumonia, but he's rich. He's loaded. <laughs> but this is what they gave him because they recognized that he was a king. Amen. They didn't give him just normal gifts. It wasn't just go to Target and find something off the shelf. They brought gold, frankincense, and precious spices or myrrh because those things which you would give to a king have to be worth a lot, amen? And Isaiah sixty and verse 6, fulfilled a revelation at that moment when it says, "'The multitude of camels shall cover thee "'and the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. "'All they from Sheba shall come.'" and shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. That this moment that you're reading about is not just Jesus being worshipped, but it's literally revelation coming to rest in that moment that the Bible has, so, has been so intertwined that even atheists study it for its literary work. And I'm so grateful that God was made manifest in flesh. Amen? I'm so glad that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He came into this earth for me and for you. And the greatest value ever shown is that God divested Himself of all His glory and put that glory as much as could be into a body, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, amen, all the fullness of of the Godhead. That's three. That's superlative in the Jewish language, in early language, meaning that there is no more God that could ever be put in a body for you and for me, and that God was put in a body so that he could die. A God who cannot die had to build a death sacrifice. He had to build a way for him to die on you, your and my cross. And so while we look at this baby in a manger, understand the great This revelation of love of God is revealed in this beautiful baby boy that God would find some mysterious way to put himself into a human body. And that spirit that dwelled in him is the spirit of God. Jehovah become our salvation is what Jesus means. He shall be called Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? Anybody read their Bible today? Emmanuel, God with us. And the reason why they were so upset with this in the Jewish culture is because nobody, being human, can call themselves a God. Nobody can herald themselves as God. So Jesus couldn't stand up and say, I am the Son of God in whom he is well pleased. (laughs) It had to come from somewhere else for them to understand it. In fact, in culture, you understand that the Father would always herald the Son. But we find so great a truth in the fact that Jesus was God in flesh. You cannot step away from that revelation once you have it. You cannot see it any different once you have it, once you know that all of God rested in Jesus Christ. You will never be the same. You'll read your Bible different. There'll be power that comes from scriptures, even places you thought totally obscure. You'll be reading along in scripture and then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod. You're just reading a Christmas story. You thought they departed for their own for their from their own country another way. They went around Herod. They were supposed to go back and talk to him, but they would have been killed. And they departed. Because they were divinely warned to do so. And now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and there until And was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled? Wait, what? That revelation is going to come to pass from a guy who wants to kill Jesus? That God is actually going to use everything that's happening to fulfill more prophecy? That God could use everything in your life to fulfill more promises? That God can help us even in what seems to be the most tyrannical, worst situation you could ever be in, but God has control. Oh yeah, it was even reported back in Hosea eleven and one that this was going to happen. For the Scripture itself says these things. It says, "When Israel was a child, or when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt." Brothers and sisters, Revelation is resting on Jesus Christ, not only in the manger, but But as he's headed out to Egypt with his dad under the anointing of an angel, given message for them to go. And then Herod loses his cool and starts killing all the two-born and two-year-old and down because he starts to process when the star showed up. So he kills all the male children from two and down. And God spares Jesus Christ. And he does it not only in the moment to save him, but he does it through prophecy thousands of years earlier. I want to tell you that God has spoken so promises over your life, and you haven't even seen the trouble that you're going to pray your way out of, but that promise is already there, that he's going to keep you, that he's going to guide you, that he's going to help you. Amen. And if you go to him, you will find that your heart is secure in him, no matter what situation you're going through. So the scripture is very clear to us that there is revelation wrapped up in this tiny little baby. But there's so much more to that, so much more to that, that he came so that we have the desire to go to him. He first loved us. He first loved us, amen, so that we could love him, so that our hearts would be turned to him. And So in Mark chapter 10, we see that Jesus says, unless you come as a little child, you'll not see the kingdom. He's saying there's there's something about being a child. The creator, think about this, the creator put himself in the hands of his creation as a baby, innocent, incapable of dealing or handling or fighting off any threat. He put himself in the hands of a loving mother and said, watch, I will be God in flesh and I'll put myself in the most vulnerable position so that when you read this word you know this wasn't just something created by man this isn't just a cute story that's passed through time this isn't a tradition of men or religious or you know religious thing this is actually god who came to give us relationship somebody say amen and so so good that god would know that if he showed up in power and pomp and circumstance we would go uh oh, Yeah, well, that's probably what God would do. But the way that God works is his ways are higher than our ways. Amen? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when you say that Jesus is our king and our all-sufficient one, you have to understand that he made himself low so that he could lift us up from our low places. Thank you, Jesus. Someone say, thank you, Jesus, because he found me in a low place. When I couldn't get to him, I'm so glad he came to me. When I couldn't make my way out, Job said, I I don't know where he is, but it's more important that he knows where I am. I don't have all the answers, but I'm glad that he has all the answers, amen? I'm glad it all rests on his sufficiency, not my sufficiency, not my ability to know why it's happening, but he knows why it's happening. Oh, that's that's a, that's a great cop-out, Pastor. Way to go. Make us all feel like when we go through hard things in life, we just have to suck it up. Well, guess what? I would rather have God know my way and me not know my way than it be the other way around because I would try to manipulate it to the things I wanted. And sometimes the things I want are not best for me, brothers and sisters, because when you get some things you thought you wanted, you realize that wasn't really what you really wanted, amen? But when God is in control, when God is the one who came first so that I could come to him, I know that he has my answer, he has my way, he is my truth, he is my life. Everything I have, the joy, the peace, the excitement, the love, the hope the family the kids the glue that holds my life together when I'm falling apart he comes and finds me and puts me back together that is the God we serve the God who came for us first the God who was our answer before we had the question the God who was our way before we knew we needed a way the God who was truth before we knew we were lost amen somebody am I getting too loud and so I know, I know in Mark 10, the story that says we have to come like little children in the way that we have to trust him with our life. We have to believe that he knows best for us. And that we, when we surrender ourselves, we surrender all of who we are to him. And he deals with that in a very special way because he's trying to, he's trying to make us understand that there's going to be resistance when we give our heart to God, that there's resistance when he came, amen? But even in the resistance, he was still revelation in the the manger, amen? Even even though there was resistance with Herod, we have to understand that when we come to God, just like he came in flesh, when we come to God, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be difficulties at times. There's going to be things that we see that we go through. And in order to get closest to Jesus there are some discoveries that happen in our life that we have to maybe lay down, we have to maybe change, make some difference. And, you know, if you can't change things, change yourself, they say. And Jesus is the one that helps us do that. I I don't believe that God is not celebrating the little things in our life. I believe God does. But sometimes we come to him and approach him in ways that he has to alter the way we're coming to him. Can you imagine the little drummer boy coming to Jesus? How Revelation at rest, God in flesh, and there's a little drummer. It it didn't happen, I know, believe me, I know. Don't write me online emails about the little drummer boy never happened, okay? I know. I'm, I'm dealing with it, okay? I'm the little drummer boy that never did, okay? Can you imagine Mary exhausted having just gotten Jesus to sleep and is approached by a young man who thinks to himself, What this girl needs is a drum solo. (laughs) Sometimes we approach God in very inappropriate ways. We come to him and he's still loving and still gracious. And he still receives us, amen. It Happened in Mark 10 where this young ruler came to Jesus and he's like, I have done everything right. I've got it all right. Master, I've done it all from my youth. And Jesus says, okay, but your heart's not right. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And he went away sorrowful. He's dealing with the heart. Jesus will not come to you and not deal with your stuff, okay? If you want somebody who just gives you a sky rise up to the highest points on the mountains and gives you great revelation, it's not going to happen. God's going to take you through all your stuff and say, let's deal with that, and let's deal with this, and let's take care of that. Let's remove that, and let's get this out. And as you start unloading all the burdens of life and the different pains and hurts and scars and the different mental anguish that you've gone through because you were abused when you were young and all of these different things that Jesus starts stepping through your life and healing is like, that's going to be a scar for a story and another scar for a story and that's going to be a testimony for a story and you're going to have people come to God because you're going to tell that story that you healed from. All of that happens because he is walking through your life and he's a truth seeker. He's going to make truth out of the things that were lies to you. Anything that was told to you that was a lie, he'll go back and revisit and say, that is a lie that you're living on. That is a construct that does not exalt Christ and we're going to tear it down right now. He'll do that in your prayer life. That's why you have to be in his presence. That's why you get revelation when you're in the place of rest in his spirit that's why when you come in here and you start to worship and God starts to move and you're like it is not as hard as I thought it was it's, this is not going to be as difficult as I, th- I thought I couldn't go on anymore I thought this was going to take me down but I feel a new joy in my spirit I feel a, a new excitement coming over my life I feel like there's a way out and there's a new hope and there's a new day dawning and his mercies are new every morning and you start quoting scripture and you start getting excited and you You start using the word of God to build yourself up. That is what God will do with you when he starts addressing your heart. And he's addressing this man's heart in Mark 10. He's sad as he goes away because he has so much stuff. And what I love, and maybe you won't love this, maybe you won't like this, but what I love about Jesus is he doesn't chase him. He says, you're gonna have to sell it all. Come follow me. He's dealing with his heart situation. His allegiance. He was trusting in his riches. He was trusting in all that he had worked hard to, make, to gain. And Jesus says, No, sell it all. Come follow me. And when Jesus does that, he goes away sad. And Jesus goes, Oh, no, 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 wait. Come back. Come back. Come back. Let's start with half. How about that? Would that work? Sell half of all you have. Come follow me. No? Okay, oh, wait. A special deal this Sunday only. We have a red light special for you at Jesus' sale. A third sell a third of all you have. Come follow me. Jesus didn't chase him. Jesus said, this is what it's like. When I come and I greet you and I deal with you, you're going to get revelation from me being at rest in your life. And you have to be at rest with being sold out to the all-sufficient one. Amen. You have to be sold out. So he comes and Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with what you call hunger. He came and he's like, I want to be saved. I want eternal life. And God says, really? God in flesh says, really? Is that what you want? And he's like, yes, sell it all. Come follow me. He said, mm, no, nah. can't do that. And it's a lesson to us, where your heart is, is where you will follow. Where you stare, you will steer, they say. And what you focus on is what gives you your future. And when you put your focus on the revealed Christ in a manger, when you put your life in him, everything steers toward Jesus. Everything turns toward him and your life becomes a testimony of truth of the one who came for you first before you could even know you needed him. And then, of course, he deals with Mark, in Mark 10 with blind Bartimaeus. You know blind Bartimaeus. He was that guy that was crying out. He heard that Jesus could heal, and he was blind. And he was crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. It's in Mark chapter 10. It's over in... 43 and downward
1: to 51. He says, I got my reference wrong, media team.
0: Forgive me. Now they came to Jericho. Verse. I'm in verse number 46, media team. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho, his disciples, a great multitude and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Is this okay today? Are you doing okay? Everybody's okay? Haven't run you off yet? All right. Timaeus sat by the road. This is the last thing. And then we'll go um, watch the Packers beat the Bears. (laughs) Come on, Jesus, help those Packers. And there's somebody in Chicago. Come on, Jesus, help those Cubs. And Jesus is like... Handle it yourself. You guys take care of that. <laughs> road beginning. See, this is what my ADD brain does. We, we're not even in, by Bartimaeus in Jericho right now. We're not even there. We're over at the Packer game. Some to me sat by the road begging, I don't even know why y'all are here. Just keep praying. Jesus will touch the pastor And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began, these are all jokes, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now we're back to where I was. All right? Everybody back? Everybody's back? Okay. We went through all the Packer jokes and everything. Then many warned him to to be quiet, and he cried out all the more. Sometimes the people that are closest to Jesus... When you get desperate, we'll, tell you, we'll be the ones that tell you to be quiet. And I wonder if maybe we haven't created a culture that needs to be pulled down where people who are desperate for God are given a place to go after him. Amen. Because he divested himself of glory to get to you. How about we get some desire to go after him? How about we go, hey, snooze button is not as important as me worshiping God on Sunday. How about we go after him with everything we've got, amen? Because of all he's showed us and all he's done for us and all the revelation of that baby in a manger, maybe we could just recognize this Christmas season that we have been blind because we've been letting excuses keep us from doing all the things that God wants to do in our life. And if you're looking for an excuse, brothers and sisters, there are a thousand excuses. Excuses for not walking and staying in contact and continuing in God. There's a thousand excuses why you don't have to be in his presence or spend time in prayer. There's a thousand excuses for why you don't have to come to Jesus. But there is going to be a church, and I believe I'm going to be one of them, who has found a desire for God so much that I'll preach when I'm tired. I'll worship when I don't feel like it. I'll go after God whenever there's a soul to be saved. I'll understand the weight and the value of a lost soul. I'll be willing to be a testimony. I'll live my life in a way that is a light that shines in the dark world. Why? Because I want all of him, and I'm willing to give my heart to the all-sufficient one who came for me. Amen? Until you surrender your heart He cannot to the sufficient one, he cannot be your supremacy. I have to say that over over and over again then many warned him they said stop it be quiet and he's- want me to be quiet, you don't understand what it's like to live blind. You don't understand what it's like to live in the trials I live in. You don't understand what it's like to live with the resistance that I live with. I've got a revelation that Jesus, that one that's over there, in him rests my healing. Amen? The revelation that Jesus, in him, rests my hope. The revelation that in this baby born in a manger rests everything that I need for my life and my family. And I'm not going to be quiet about it. I'm not going to go quietly into that night. I'm not going to give up on everything that I believe in. If you want me to be quiet, I'm going to be even louder, he said. I'm going to be even more, more volume, more of this. I'm not done. But Jesus doesn't say a word because he wonders if blind Bartimaeus is really serious. You notice that? Jesus just lets some things happen sometimes. It doesn't say a thing to you, Sister Karen, you're like, what is going on? I'm praying, I'm seeking God, and God is actually looking to see if you're serious about what you're saying. If you want him as bad as you're saying, if you want to go, you want to have the spiritual connection that you're saying you want, But he's doing it all for the work that he's doing in you. will you keep this is the question i wrote down will you keep chasing jesus or are you looking for something easier the revelation that he rest, that that everything rests in him gives me great joy when i'm struggling amen that all i need to do is go to jesus i don't have to present anything i don't have to be good enough all i need to do is get to jesus amen the all sufficient one has arrived I don't have to push anything across the table and say, look how good I've been, Jesus. Look how good I've done. Everything is in him, amen? So whenever he gives us his salvation, all I need to do is obey the scriptures. I don't have to come to him all polished up like the like the young men, Rich Young Yule was saying, I did it all right. I come to him and say, Lord, everything is going to be buried in your blood. Everything, I'm going to walk with you because you saved me. You don't have to have any idea of what I've been through for me to be telling you that I'm grateful everything in my life was put under the blood. You don't have to know my story to know that he changed my life when I was baptized in Jesus' name and washed in the blood. You don't have to know where I've been from. In fact, I don't even know that I want your opinion on it but just so you know. I, I, I'm so thankful that God has done all that he's done in me and I will not stop no matter what anybody's opinion is, no matter who criticizes, no matter who comes against me. You're not going to block my blessing brothers and sisters, friends, world. You're not going to stop God from doing what he's wanted to do in me because I have a revelation that he's going to do it, that all that is supposed to be mine will be mine in this life and I'm going to use it for his glory and so I'm thankful you cannot box me in you cannot stop me you cannot keep me out of the revelation that God wants to give me but you don't get that revelation unless you rest in him Samuel was given to the temple at four Eli was raising him messed up with his own kids they were messing things up Eli was going to be moved out of the way God starts speaking to Samuel Samuel he gets up and he runs to Eli. You, you called? He's like, no, that's not me. He goes, lays back down. God calls him again. He comes running to Eli. Eli, you called me? He's like, no. See, Samuel was young enough to hear the voice of God, but not old enough to discern the voice of God. Experience allows you to discern the voice of God. Experience in the word of God allows you discernment. And so Samuel had the discernment, but he couldn't hear the voice of God anymore because he had let so much stuff go on. And so Samuel is coming to Eli because that's the voice he recognizes as the one who talks from God. Sometimes God will speak to you and it'll sound like my wife, not you, me. <laughs> Sometimes God will speak to you and you'll sound like your pastor. Sometimes God will speak to you and you'll sound like a Bible study that you had before and your Bible study teacher that brought you up and discipled you. Sometimes that's the way, but God wanted to wean Samuel off of Eli. So he's weaning him off of Eli because the people that brought you up can't take you to where God's going. Eventually you have to rest in all of who he is, not in who taught you, not in where you came from, not in the religion you were brought up in. Eventually you have to step out of your tutors, out of those that kept you and step into Jesus Christ leading you by his word and his way. Amen. Eventually you have to understand that you're going to have to say yes, Lord, it's me. Go ahead and speak. I don't know how you want to speak, I don't know where you want to speak, but I'm available and I'm open and you're not gonna stop me from getting a word from the Lord, but you're not going to get a revelation from God when he's speaking unless you go back and lay down and rest. That was Eli. He said, go lay down. Your revelation comes from moments when you're at rest in Jesus Christ in his presence. And so we see blind Bartimaeus. is like, no, I know he's a healer. I'm not gonna shut up. He takes off his coat and he leaves it by Jericho's road. And he begins to cry out more. Can I ask you one question as I'm closing? What has everything that's come against you done to you? What has everything that's happened in your life done to you? Has it made you more resolved to go after Jesus? Or has it helped you build excuses of why? you're not more than you should be, why you don't trust him like you should. I'm just being real with you. I hope I'm not too strong, but if you're looking for excuses, you will find them, amen? I've had so many excuses to stop preaching here. I've had so many excuses not to show up. In fact, I probably should just not show up on Sunday see what happens. Jesus will help us. My wife or brother Rob or brother Reese will just step up and preach. Church will go on. I'm trying to say you will not find easy street with Jesus Christ. If he had resistance to be the revealed God in flesh, you will have resistance to have God revealed in your flesh. And I have to tell you that I know there's people in this house that say if I can realize he is my everything... I can keep a desire to go after him if i can remove any excuses i wonder if there's anybody that can remove excuses today whatever it is i have to do to get where he is he did whatever it took to get to us that's my point brothers and sisters then i wonder if we could get the same attitude that jesus has and say whatever it takes to get to where he is would you stand with me i know that no matter how many days it takes pushing, I'm gonna be back in this pulpit. I knew that no matter how many times, we had to lean in as a family. I knew that when I started the church, I talked to some of my pastor friends, I said, I'm not gonna lose my family building a church. I'm not gonna lose my kids trying to start a church in Brookfield. But every time I felt like giving up, we leaned in some more. We reached some more. We tried some more. And there are times, like David, I had to encourage myself, Brother Angie, Sister Angie. There's times when I had to encourage myself in the Lord. But I'm going to be one known as one that came to Jesus because he came for me. When it's all over, said and done, doesn't matter what we've done or where we've been or what kind of titles we have, brothers and sisters, You don't live on your labels. You live on the name of Jesus that's higher than any label. And when you get to that point, you can come here tired with a smile. You can play your bass, sister, with (laughs) two-step. You can be excited. You can be so happy. Even when life kicks you and knocks you down, You're going to be the one known as the one that came to Jesus. I came, I came. When it wasn't easy, I came to church. When it wasn't easy, I came to Jesus. When it was difficult, I'm going to be known as the one that came to him. What did you do in life? I just kept running back to the revealed Savior. And I wonder if there's anybody here today that needs to run to Jesus. I'm going to open the altars and I'm praying that somebody in their life will remove excuses and will take this message and say, he is my revelation. If I will rest in him, he'll tell me all that I need to be. But also let it build a desire in you that says nothing will stop me. Nothing will stop me from keeping my life running toward Jesus. Even when you trip up or you fall, you have to have that attitude that says come hell or high water. I'm going to be one that ran to him. And I'm asking you to close your eyes and bow your heads. To the one who was revealed, we pray right now. To the one who brought unconditional love into a manger. To the one who showed us that if you're going to love somebody, you should die for them. The God who said the greatest friend is one who lays down his life. I wonder if there's anybody that would lay down their life for him because he laid down his life for you. And in doing so, you get all of what he has given. My condition, no matter what it is, will not keep me from the unconditional one. And I'm releasing you today to make your decision. I'm praying that God helps somebody choose to take their whole life broken, whether it's blessed or broken, take your whole life and run to Jesus with it. Kneel at that manger and say, Lord, in you is my greatest revelation, and you is where my soul finds its rest, and I will stop at nothing as long as I have you. Is there anyone here that wants to give their life to Jesus? Does anyone here want to be known as the one that ran to him? This altar's open. You can do that right now. I'd ask you to come and find a place to kneel. If you're physically able, find a place to kneel. Say, Lord, if I've used excuses, I'm sorry. I just want to be known as one that ran to you. I don't have to be perfect. But everything my soul was made to be is found in you, and I want that revelation resting in my life. I want Jesus more than anything. I know it may be hard to lay down some things that I've picked up over this past few years, months, and days. I know it may be hard to lay down some habits, but it's so worth it. The freedom that's on the other side of putting that in the tomb with Jesus is so worth it. The resurrection that's going to come to your life by the power of God's Spirit is so worth it. Come on, there's somebody that's going to stop at nothing today. They're going to go to Jesus and rest in Him right now. I bind every lie of the enemy. I take a hold of every construct in every mind, any abuse, any hurt, any pain, any struggle that has people bitter toward heaven anything that has caused you to doubt God in faith or in belief I take a hold of that in the name of Jesus and I take it and I bind it and I break it and I cast it out and I'm asking you to reveal your light and your glory that you came into the earth Lord God that your word is greater than the resistance that we feel your word is greater than the things that are coming in our life that your revelation of your word in our life is what turns us Toward your rest, asking it in Jesus' name. There is a humble move of God over this house. His presence is here. If you need to go, I will understand, but maybe we could stand and wait upon the Lord. Maybe we could take some moments and see what God has for us. Maybe we could run to him today. In Jesus' name. All saints run to him right now in prayer.
1: Do